Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about design and systems thinking and futures thinking or kind of related disciplines. And I can see that this triad um, is somehow slowly the threads from these uh, three disciplines are converging um, slowly. And um, maybe my wish is, is that those three uh, converge at some point into, into the design as a discipline or something, something new. Um, and I'm curious to, 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 to be there on this wave and see if I can contribute to make that happen. Welcome to Beyond Aesthetics, a podcast about art and design from the Fountain Institute. In this podcast, we explore how to think like an artist and how to think like a designer. We are the co-founders of the Fountain Institute, and we are an education company based in Berlin. Today, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to get some inside advice from a career coach and a manager at a company with over 15,000 employees. We're also going to talk about the types of skills you might need to keep your career resilient. And the one surprising skill that you might not know you need for 2021 and beyond. And today we are talking with Jenko. Uh, Jenko has over 25 years experience in the design field uh, and he's currently a design manager at Zalando, uh, Europe's largest online fashion retailer. Uh, and we'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Hey, uh, thanks, Hannah. Um, thanks, Jeff. Nice, um, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so, Jenko, we were wondering, could you tell us why you became a designer? Um, so I think it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, and um, I, I don't even remember, to be honest. Um, I think it started basically a long time ago, um, around um, late 80s when, when my first computer and my father was actually a programmer, so that's how I got um, interested into the topic. So beginning of 90s, basically, I got myself into, into programming and doing um, software development and by necessity design. Um, because I think back then I didn't even know what to actually development and, and design um, are as disciplines. So I think that's, that's how I started. And um, during the years, I think my relationship with design was kind of on and off. So I was doing a lot of programming during the 90s, then um, turned into more doing design uh, over the years, then going back to programming. Um, I started with, uh, like um, I think it's called procedural languages, like Clipper, and then at some point go to object-oriented um, programming languages and, and database design. It is how I learn about information architecture yeah i think it was it was it was a quite non-linear i would say um, career um if i can say that um in a way that i was basically exploring um related disciplines together with design like design was always present there but i was like flirting with programming a little bit with project management and um I think I got into UX field and then explored that really deeply, I think, in the past um, years. And then lately, in the past few years, I'm, I'm again kind of taking a nonlinear approach and exploring other fields and disciplines and just trying to see what else is there, um, such as um, futures thinking or systems thinking or maybe a little bit of, of theory as well. Just trying to see what's you know on the edges of uh, what we're doing today and, and what I know today and kind of trying to expand and see where that will take me in the future. Yeah, so it sounds like throughout your career, you've kind of been 
interested in exploring. I like what you said, like the edges of what industry that you're in and, and kind of seeing um, what is maybe new or uh, shifting and changing in those industries. And so um, I'm kind of curious from that, um, have, were there times in your career that maybe you felt like there was like a mistake that you made, but then in hindsight, looking back at it, you realized it was not a mistake, but kind of led you in the direction um, that maybe was on one of these edges? I think that's a very good question. Um, I think there are countless mistakes that that I made that I'm still making. And um, to be honest, I'm, I'm in a way I'm, I'm enjoying that. I, I over the years I think I developed like appreciation for these mistakes because oftentimes they're, um, of course, a way to learn, but also they're a way to explore. I think these boundaries and see what what happens when you go in a certain direction and that just um, becomes a mistake, like what, what learnings can you take? Um, and surely, you know, when I was exploring different fields, you know, sometimes um, certain things looks, look, looks like um, the absolute truth, you know, and then you go um, exploring that and thinking that, oh, this is actually the way to do things. And then, you know, soon you discover that that's actually not the case, that there are many um, many truths out there um and yeah i mean that's like from from exploration point of view but i also of course i uh, did a lot of other mistakes like when you when you go into a new field or try to bring in uh bring in a new discipline in design and kind of try to see how that intersection works of course you you don't know exactly what you're doing so you know sometimes i was over promising things and then that i couldn't deliver or um, you know, being stubborn that this is the way to do things, even though the reality was different. So I, yeah, I think there was really a tons of these mistakes, but, um, like I said, I really enjoy making mistakes, making mistakes, mistakes, unless they're of course harmful. I think that's something that I'm cautious about. Yeah. I feel like I have to agree with you on that one as well. Um, especially like in, um, in a little similar way, uh, I have shifted careers and and, um, and industries a variety of times too. That has led me to now doing um, design, and I do a little bit more branding and website design. Um, my background is in education and art, and a lot of the things that I thought were mistakes when I like quickly after happening after them happening felt like they were mistakes, but now like five, 10, 15 years later, I realized how much like impact and actually they set me in the right direction to like where I needed to come to. So I think it's interesting um, that, yeah, that you fail like, or you say that like you like making mistakes sometimes it kind of like brings you into this uncomfortable, or at least for me, I feel like it brings me into this like, uncomfortable place of like taking risk that sometimes needs to happen. Absolutely. I, I like that you mentioned this uncomfortable space because I think that's um, um, a space where the, 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 the space on the edges are often uncomfortable. And I think mistakes come with that naturally. So just adopting that mindset then helps you, like you said, to look at mistakes in a different, um, in a different way and seeing them as just, just part of the process, just part of the journey, basically. 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of curious. So like we mentioned earlier that you are now a design manager at um, Zalando, which um, is a pretty large company. Um, and so I'm kind of two part question. One is, I think um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the structure that um, you have there within your design team. Yeah. So, yeah, Zalando is, is a really big organization. And um um, uh, basically, um, it's it's a complex environment. That's that's what uh, comes with the size. Um, so basically, my um, immediate environment is that um, I'm taking care of a team that's um, supporting um, teams in in one of the departments. Um, and basically, designers are either fully embedded in team or like semi embedded, which means like it's more like a project based support because the um, just the, the the complexity requires kind of different approaches to to different parts of the organization, um, and then across across the org across the digital experience in Zalando, there are many uh, teams like um, like the one that I'm situated in, and basically horizontally we um, are also um, collaborating on, on on different topics. Um, so basically, there is like a vertical structure, but there is also horizontal structure that provides leadership to all these different um, teams and initiatives that are ongoing. Okay, yeah, so there, it, it's a, I think what you say, complex structure is an appropriate word, it sounds like, um, which uh, for me is really unique. I've never worked in um, a large company in design sense, and so I, I'm, I'm newer to these kind of structures. I, um, familiar with studying them and seeing them on the outside. Um, but I'm kind of curious also from what we were talking about previously with the mistakes is um, how do you feel that you see um, people that you're designing or managing or in your, um, that you're working with, do you feel like they have the same kind of comfortability with mistakes? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think for so the, the team, team is really amazing and we're, we're doing um, a lot of different uh, things together. Um, and yes, I think there there's a common theme that that basically this appreciation for for mistakes as a way to um, to learn um, first and foremost, um, and then basically to to expand um, and um, push basically capabilities into unknown uh, territories. So I think that there is this um, um, how should I put it. Uh, the uh, desire to go into unknown a little bit and see what what's there. So you know when you're when designers are, are going into unknown, it's certain that 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 they will make mistakes. So they're all together we are going to make mistakes. So I think it's a healthy, um, like we discussed previously, like a healthy approach to um, to designing in general because there is a lot of uncertainty and ambiguity in design in general. Um, and just adopting that kind of mindset really helps with solving problems. Yeah, I think you could even like switch out the word because there's like some negative connotation with the word mistake, but you could switch it out with like iteration or experimentation too. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, iteration and experimentation are, are, are great ways to um, to, to, to go about uh, making mistakes and not consider them mistakes, but rather just a step in the process, just to learn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that you're going to, yeah. yeah. Jenko, with so much uncertainty um, in the organization or embracing that uncertainty, um, I'd imagine that someone who's a new designer coming into Longo 
might be a little bit overwhelmed, but um, what skills do, do you find essential for these designers when they're, when they're starting in a company like Zalando? I think it's a very good question and, and, and probably I wouldn't be able to, to answer this uh, before because this is uh, the, uh, Zalando is my first big organization or really big organization. So I think what I learned is that there, there's, there's really a place for different kind of thinking. So um, um, depending on, on the area, depending on particular department or particular need of a certain team, it could be it could be really anything. So um, we have designers that um, have different kind of backgrounds, different ways of approaching problems, different thinking. So in that sense, um, I think everyone is welcome um, in a way. It just depends on what are the the needs at the moment. Um, but definitely, I think for for folks who are like mid career or or senior positions or beyond, it's one thing is for sure it's the ability to uh deal with complexity and ambiguity i think that's um very important this kind of environment because it's not just the um um ambiguity doesn't come just from the problem spaces that that, that we are tackling it also comes comes from the size of organization um and uh so it's it's, it's kind of layered um problem solving in a way so i would say that dealing with ambiguity and and um, complexity is certainly necessary for at least this organization. Um, do you have any to, or I'm just curious of like I haven't thought so much about how do you like teach somebody to be um, comfortable with ambiguity or uncertainty and I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts or experience with um, coaching or, or trying to like support uh, people maybe mid-level moving into their career of like how do you if they're if they are a little bit uncomfortable with it like how do you become more comfortable with it yeah i think many people are maybe initially not uh, comfortable with um with with that level of ambiguity and complexity but i think um in in the past basically i was always trying to understand like what's what um, kind of thinking is behind um, what kind of thinking people have and how they approach problems and then try to see whether they already know something that they can utilize to to deal with complexity and oftentimes people people do have these abilities it's just maybe um, giving them a, a bit of a nudge to to go that way and sometimes um Especially they're more more junior. Obviously, I, I think um, this is where there's a bit more work needed, and giving them, first of all, uh, trying to influence the mindset. I think that's first what, what comes, and second, giving them some tools actually so that they can do them on their on their own. And a lot of these tools are coming from um, from design, of course, but also from other disciplines like systems thinking, for example, is a is the one that um, that can really help here. Janko, do you do you see systems thinking as something um, that's more needed at big organizations? I mean, I'm yeah, that's that's a good question. I, I think I, I'm opinionated here in a way that I think that systems thinking and design, like the intersection of the two fields, and together with some of more um, uh, future-oriented disciplines like. Um, Future thinking on strategic foresight. I think on the intersection of these disciplines um, could be potentially a future for design 
um, because I, I think that not just in large organizations, but I think that complexity is increasing everywhere. And together with that uncertainty and um, just um, problems that we have in space in, in, in the world are, are becoming um, more and more complex and difficult to solve. Even, even simple things like a social media um, network tool that you design for that um, can really be become a part of a big, big problem. So I, I think the way um, to approach designs of, of this century is, in my opinion, maybe should um, maybe from design perspective, we should broaden what we have in user-centric design and user experience and, and, and similar flavors of design is to expand a little bit that into like space and time in space in terms of thinking more about systems and in time thinking more about future generations and um, basically backcasting from that future to, to present. I think we are too uh, focused on this um, extended present and in a very um, fragmented problems in general. Um, so I, I think systems thinking could play a really important role in shaping the future of design. I'm also curious, because um, I, I know that from, from what I've been in learning a lot about strategic design, that there's a lot of systems thinking involved. And I see that one of your past titles at Warp Speak was a strategic design lead. So I'm wondering if you see maybe a future title or role where there's more systems thinking involved, or do you see it where everyone should be bringing in systems thinking? Like, how, how do you think that will, that will happen? I'm, I'm not sure about titles. Um, I guess that something will emerge from um, organically. Um, but I think that certainly bringing in systems thinking really requires some more collaborative way of uh, working and not just something that we got used to, like having engineers and designers, uh, product managers working together. I think involving all the stakeholders within the organization and beyond um, into um, the process is something that comes, na that comes naturally with, uh, with systems thinking and, and complexity thinking. So I think that maybe the role of design would be more um, like maybe we become more facilitators, maybe more facilitated process and give tools to, to the group to solve the problem um, together. Because I, I think that the value is in this variety of perspectives um, unlike maybe traditionally what we think about designer as a problem solver um, separated from, from a problem. I think uh, designers in, in that sense, like if we adopt this complexity, um, thinking is that the designer is part of the system and in that way it's no different than, than a user. So I, I think that if you broaden the, the boundaries of, of what we are designing for, I think there is a space there to um, to have this really not just multidisciplinary but multi-point of view, multi-layered um, designing in the future. Yeah, um, me and Jeff are actually just smiling at each other because you said a lot of things that um, I really identify with and relate to. Um, I quickly mentioned before that I uh, my background is in art and education, and a lot of that comes through uh, a facilitated conversation around art called visual thinking strategies. Um, and one of the big things that we uh, I, I want to like kind of talk about with um, our students and just in general with designers is this uh, idea 
about facilitation and how being able to actively listen and paraphrase and um, engage within the group is um, a skill that I think is really essential throughout um, your like at different levels of your career, but like even more essential, like the higher up or like the further you get in your career. Um, and so I think I agree with that. Like there's this like relationship between being able to think big picture, like the, in my opinion, the skills of facilitation are being able to look at the big picture and being able to kind of look at the system that you're facilitating. And so the skills between system thinking and facilitation, um, I see it like a direct correlation with as well. I'm also, I, I kind of have a follow-up question on there. Um, you were talking about basically zooming out, which I think is kind of like increasing the boundaries of what designers should and, 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 and can tackle as, as their, their job. So I'm, I'm curious, like I, I see you do a lot of coaching um, when you're doing, maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience coaching. Um, and, and if, if you, if you talk to them about systems thinking, how you do that, because I'm wondering about the sort of boundaries and what's possible within maybe a mid-level designers field. Yeah, I think it, there, are, there are many ways to, to, to approach that. Um, and I've tried different things, um, some were um, more, some less successful. Um, and I think just taking the team and trying things out, I think it's one of the ways to um, just um, um, bring, it's basically bringing um, all these designers together on, on this journey and through some small examples, maybe showing how this shift in perspectives can work and what does it mean for design. Um, what kind of mindset do we need to adopt? What's different? What are the tools in design that are absolutely perfect for dealing with, um, with complexity and, and designing for big systems? Um, so for me, that, that, that worked well in, in, in most cases. Um, and then we try out um, certain tools. We read something, exchange ideas. Um, of course, involve, involve um, others in the process. So I think that that's one way to um, to really approach approach the problem um, of of expanding uh, these boundaries. Obviously, it's it's not always easy, especially in organizations. You, um, you can um, experience a lot of resistance, but it comes back then to faci facilitation. I think that designers are in a position to facilitate a lot of different conversations and. A lot of opportunities come come from that. As facilitators, I think we can uh, maybe nudge the organization, or um, we are then in position to to have um, to be to be able to align multiple, maybe even conflicting um, stakeholders, which is maybe again this uncomfortable position, but gives you a lot of opportunity actually to suggest and to nudge and to align. And this is where sense of thinking. Um, some of the tools and mindsets that come from from system thinking can um, can really help to facilitate uh, those kind of discussions and processes. And and when you're when you're doing some coaching, and maybe maybe you could before you get into that, like can you talk a little bit about your 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 history coaching designers? Because it looks like you have a, a lot of experience doing that. Um, so yeah, I did some work on on, on coaching different design uh, designers or different seniorities. I think from from different perspectives, like as a manager. As, as a coach um, and also just as a, as a senior colleague, I think it's a great opportunity actually for um, senior people to um, start um, going towards expanding basically their, their leadership capabilities. It's just to, to, to start um, 
and help somebody who's more junior. Um, and yeah, I, I think each of these positions require maybe a, um, a different approaches, but I would say most of the times um, people know how to do certain things. And, and it's just that maybe as a coach, um, here is as a general term, whether you're a manager or a senior um, colleague or, or actually a coach, I think it's more to help people to find out like what they already know um, and use what they already know. And sometimes it's, it's, it's um, uh, pushing them a little bit uh, to go beyond um, what they know and into this comfortable, uh, uncomfortable space. Um, and this is really interesting for me. This is, this is, um, uh, this is an interesting space, um, basically, because it's one thing for, for you alone to explore certain fields, but another to take somebody uh, with you on a, on, a, on a journey who is also interested in, in expanding and, and pushing the boundaries. Um, so I think there are many types of different conversations that, that, that I have and many different tools that, um, um, I'm kind of trying to explore with, um, with, with different people either to approach certain problem or in more, more general is a career development, um, basically and find it interesting. Like how do you, how, how do you use, for example, learnings from systems thinking for career development? There is also connection there. There is also connection there. So these are this very interesting space, like how to apply um, uh, knowledge from different fields and helping someone in their career development. Yeah, you just said something that um, is super interesting. That systems thinking uh, can be related to like a person's career path. Um, and I was wondering if you could actually just expand on that a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, so I think that like. We are all witnessing that, that the world is really, really getting complex. And with a current pandemic, a pandemic um, things got complicated really fast. And for most of the people, that was really um, unpredictable or maybe unexpected. Um, and I think this is where um, this is where um, studying systems and, and how how in the resilience and systems can also help people in um in their careers and what i'm thinking is i have um two of my kids are teenagers and basically i'm, I'm thinking about what would be the world 10 years from now how the world will look like 10 years from now 20 years from now what they would be doing and what is maybe of course they have to explore their their own paths i'm 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 no one there to to push them anywhere but as a parent, I feel the need to kind of understand that space a little bit more. And I'm also dealing with complete uncertainty. Like we, we don't know even if, if certain industries will be there. Like we can see with pandemics that some industries will really hit hard. Like, like um, 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 I don't know, like, like uh, space of, of tourism, for example. Um, so in, in this kind of complexity, how do you, how do you basically help people to um, absorb these sudden shocks and, and bounce back. Um, and, and I think that um, one simple thing from, from serving how systems work is that um, basically um, uh, systems that are, that are resilient um, are also dealing with a lot of variety. And I think that's, that's a concept uh, that 
that we can translate into career development. And what variety means is basically that, that systems that have variety and have redundancy in them are more likely to um, bounce back from, uh, from a shock. And if you think about career development, I think a lot of people are looking at career in a linear way, like, like our parents were doing. Like, you know, I finish school and then I have a job and, and then I retire. And that's pretty much linear, uh, linear thinking. But I don't think that will be possible. It's not possible even today. And I, I don't think it will be possible in the future to think about it. So um, approaching careers as, as a nonlinear um, non-linear journey, I think, is a nice way to think about a career. And there are different things. One of the things that one of the things like very easy things that I'm um, doing with uh, when, when coaching designers is to um, try to um, help them to to think about at least three different um, career paths that could be connected through um, a single theme. So. For example, and it goes back to values, for example, if, if a person really values something like helping others, that can be achieved in many ways. Uh, you could be a manager, you could be a facilitator, you could be a coach. And for example, there you go, like three different, three different parts and basically building slowly capabilities for each one of those. So if in, 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 if, if it's, if the future brings something uncertain to you, like, oh, you cannot be promoted uh, to, to management for whatever reason, you have this redundancy or maybe maybe varieties is a better term to, to help you. You already built in your career, basically other capabilities that would help you to more easily bounce back and still do what you love, like still helping people, but maybe have a slightly different flavor of doing that. So I think that's that's one of the useful ways to um, build resilience into in, in, into careers. Jacob, I was I was really uh, intrigued by the idea that you'd have maybe something like three possible careers you're attending. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Is that like a professional development plan that you create for them, or is it just kind of conversations? Like, what does that look like? So I think it's 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 basically I look at it as a, as a three step process. One is really to deeply look into person's values is what, why they're in, in this particular career and why they're doing this job. And, and, and also beyond that, whether there are some personal values. So it could be something like really being there for others, providing help and then leadership to others. So that could be done in, in multiple ways. Then we go into finding, uh, so that's one step one is to think about values. The step two is to think about this common theme what would be a common theme for different career paths? And for example, for a coach and facilitator and a manager, that could be many, many different things that connect these three together. It could be helping people. It could be aligning people. It could be going together somewhere with a team. Um, and then basically nailing down three different things that are very related to each other. And in a way, that by building one, you actually build the other two. So if you learn to be a good facilitator or if you um, develop your interpersonal skills and know how to talk to difficult people, to people who, are, who have strong opinions and to deal with difficult conversations, that's something you could benefit from as a manager, 
as a coach and as a facilitator. So finding these threads basically helps to build simultaneously three different um, paths. They're similar, but but also quite different. So I think a lot of times people want to um, go from a senior position to 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 um, to a management, but sometimes it's just not possible. And in, and oftentimes it's not even in our control. It could be an organizational thing. It could be some other um, influences like the whole industry is like from pandemic. Obviously, you know, there won't be um, any scaling. So it could be various factors that would prevent you from, from getting promoted. But you could maybe then do um, become a coach or a facilitator. So there is still room for you in the same organization um, to pursue your, your passion um, and still be happy without, you know, touching yourself too much for a particular title, um, and which is which is one of the um, things that I notice um, as well. That uh, like this kind of thinking that career progression means changing in a title, but it doesn't have to be. I think if we approach it in a more look at this whole career development more, maybe not not fully, but more as a system. And seeing like what are the components and how do we build those components, I think there's a chance for um, for a person to enjoy the journey more than than the goal, which is to become something. It's more like constantly becoming um, and emerging from um, from one state of mind and experience to another, than really be focused on one particular goal. Yeah, I think this is, I'm super intrigued by all of this. I think that you're touching on a lot of um, the values that uh, I align with and and we at the Fountain align with. Um, It's interesting, the podcast we've done before this was uh, the, or a couple podcasts ago was uh, the idea of generalist versus specialist. And our take was in, especially in your junior level and starting off in your career, you really should, uh, have, uh, go towards generalists, not specialists, and 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 go for a different variety of ways. And I think it's interesting here that you're kind of saying that that you and correct me if I'm wrong that you're saying you would take that path further beyond just junior level of your career, but like maybe your whole career path kind of like be flexible and as you're saying resilience um, in that career path. Um, and uh, we are coming close to the end, but I'm kind of curious of a. a a wishful or hopeful uh, question. So if you're thinking about um, systems thinking now versus the future, if you had like an ideal way of thinking of how you would want systems thinking to be incorporated into companies or just in general into the field in the future, do you have uh, some thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm still learning, um, to be honest, about um, this whole space and how it. Um, intersect and interacts with, with, with design and what are some possibilities for, for the future. Um, for sure, I, I think that, first of all, I, I think um, mindset is maybe the most difficult one to change. Um, traditionally, uh, design is um, have a, maybe a different perspective than, than what system thinkers um, have. So I, I, I believe that addressing the mindset first um is 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 the biggest problem um and then second seeing how to um use certain tools from both disciplines or merge those tools into something into something new i can see that there are some there are actually a lot of attempts from from various people around the globe to 
um, to address um, to address this. And I'm I'm curious. I think it's still in its infancy, to be honest. Um, and I'm curious to to see how that would um, evolve over time. Um. Well, thank you so much uh, for talking with us today. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm really intrigued and would love to continue these conversations. Um, yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting to see someone's perspective who's really changed and evolved through time and, and always been on the edge and really makes me take to heart what you're saying about systems thinking. Absolutely. Thank you. It was a pleasure to, to be here. Wow, yeah, I really want to thank Jenko for all of that. Um, for me, that was super interesting. You know, you, you, you think about someone who's coached and mentored so many designers uh, in so many, you know, top performing companies. And he didn't mention a lot of hard skills. He didn't mention, you know, new technologies and a lot of things you might normally hear in like a design trends article. He talked a lot about soft skills um, and especially systems thinking, which I think has kind of been around for a long time, um, but I really see the relevance now. Yeah, I don't think that people, um, at least in my experience, don't put enough emphasis or um, importance um, on the soft skills that you need to build earlier in your career. And sometimes there's this assumption that you just have them, um, but there's a way to think about how to nurture them as well, too. Yeah, I love that because I feel like the soft skills come up a lot in interviews and then we sort of forget about them. There's no sort of support for you in the job once you get in. Um, either you have them or you don't, right? But I, I love hearing about a company that's, you know, willing to invest and, and, and actually a manager and a coach who's willing to teach you the things you need to build some of those soft skills. Because, you know, he's right, like, isn't just companies that are, that are systems and super complicated, but the things we're building are getting more complicated and everything is becoming more difficult to manage. And, and I really heard some things that could help anyone who's trying to manage a lot of complexity. Yeah, I love that he said it was more of a mindset. And so it's like. Not that you have to become a systems thinker necessarily, but like, can you use the mindset that they have into your uh, everyday skill? And I think it was also interesting to think about how the design world and system thinking can merge together. Too. Yeah, I definitely saw so many parallels. I see how like, you know, as user, UX designers, we're really focusing on the user, but there's also the context of the stakeholder and the company and even beyond that. Um, and it really inspired me to think a bit, a bit bigger and look at the big picture. Well, we hope you uh, enjoyed this uh, interview that we had today. We're hoping to have some more um, some more different designers and maybe non-designers on. We really want to know actually what, what you want to hear next because, you know, we're, we're four episodes in and we're trying to make this for you and, and give you as much value as possible. So uh, we're going to give you an email right now. Uh, it's called hello at the fountainstitute.com. Write us, let us know what you want to hear. Uh, we're really going to pay attention to this. Uh, this is our email box. We will, we will look at it. Um, we, want to, we want to make this podcast things available for you. So let us know what you're interested in, um, some suggestions for anything you want to hear. Maybe there's a specific person you want to hear from, or maybe a kind of job title or an industry that you're interested in that relates. Um, so yeah, we really appreciate uh, whatever you guys want to hear from. And we'll definitely give you a shout out. So yeah, send us an email. Uh, but thanks guys this was fun yeah thanks for listening talk to you next time bye bye bye